0: Hello and welcome to this podcast from Faber. My name is George Miller and my guest today is eminent developmental biologist Lewis Walpert, who is Emeritus Professor of Biology as Applied to Medicine at University College London. Lewis has drawn on his personal experience in order to write a book before. Malignant Sadness was the title of the book in which he explored the nature of depression after suffering from it himself. In his new book, You're Looking Very Well, he turns his attention to the process of ageing, or, as the subtitle has it, the surprising nature of getting old. And his concern is not just with the science of ageing, but also with how we as individuals, and as a society, think about and cope with old age. Lewis, now in his 82nd year, arrived at the Faber offices for this interview on a bicycle. So I began by remarking that one of the keys to enjoying a good old age seemed to be maintaining a regular exercise regime.
1: All the evidence is very strongly in favour of exercise and not getting too fat.
0: Yes, I mean those, those are the those seem to be the two, perhaps the only two reliable pieces of, of wisdom that that science has managed to, to glean about about aging. Really, in terms of advice for what we can do,
1: I suppose that's true. Also, to have a positive attitude. And to eat lots of vegetables, and, and not, you know, and certainly not to get fat. I mean, that that obesity is a is a major problem. Yes.
0: When did you begin yourself to think about aging as a phenomenon? When how did it sort of impinge upon upon your own life?
1: I think it really began when I had my first depression. I think I was very anxious at sixty five of having to retire. That's the first time I think I began to really think about, about old age. I really didn't want to retire. I'm not sure whether that precipitated my depression or not. Still don't know what caused my depression. But nevertheless, I, I certainly began to think about age then, yes.
0: And, and that wasn't then something physiological within you. That was something which society was deciding on your behalf, that it was it was time to retire.
1: That's exactly right. There's nothing that, in fact, I stayed on till I was 75. They were very good to me at University College, yes.
0: What then prompted you to undertake this book? What, what, what was it that made you curious to hey, find out more? Faber invited me to write the book. <laughs> And so, what, 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 with with what kind of did you have? Were you enthusiastic? Did you have misgivings? What was it, what was your attitude when they suggested you investigate old age?
1: No, it seemed a very good idea because I was aging, and I was interested in the cellular basis of aging, which I discussed a little bit in a previous book, and it seemed a subject of great importance to me.
0: So, how did you how did you set about it? Because in the book you describe various people you've you've been to see in in, in all walks of life to talk about their own experiences of aging. So, how did you decide? Because it's it's, it's a book which goes far beyond the, the scientific?
1: Uh, no, to begin with, I read the literature. That's the way I, I always do it. I made lots of notes. I read the books about ageing, people's attitude towards ageing, and I programmed it that way. Interviewing people really came really towards the end of the book.
0: So what would you say were the the set of questions that you set out with? What was it you were hoping to discover about ageing?
1: I wanted to discover, to properly understand why we age And was there anything we could really do about it? And uh, what people's attitude towards it was? And particularly, I was concerned, being a little old myself, how one dealt with the end.
0: Let's sort of try and define then what we're talking about. What what are we talking about when we say aging?
1: It's really a sense that, first of all, that you can't go on working forever. The death is on the horizon, which you don't think about when you're young, and you begin to develop certain ailments, um, or many people do. I mean, when I meet my friends now, the first thing we say is, Should we start at the top or the bottom, and we go through all the all the little problems. Also, you begin to notice that you forget things. Your memory for words and names is not as good as it was before, and so there are all sorts of things like that that I wanted. I wanted to understand.
0: Yes. A lot of these definitions, though, are very socially conditioned, aren't they? there's no there's no point at which we can say, "Well, old age has begun." Where we're, once we passed reproductive age, then really, we, we in terms of evolution, <laughs> we've sort of served our purpose. And we've
1: certainly served our purpose, but it's difficult to decide when people begin to feel they're old. I didn't f- begin really to feel that I was aging until I was 70, 75. And certainly now I'm 81, I certainly, have, 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 I'm conscious of it. It's a really peculiar feature. And I suppose the other thing that I didn't know about is just how the numbers of old people worldwide has astronomically increased. And that's not due to people stopping getting old or the illnesses. It's simply they're just not dying in the way they used to do from infectious diseases and they're living slightly more healthy lives.
0: Yes. I mean, you say at the beginning of the 20th century, major causes of death were communicable diseases and that has completely changed.
1: Yes, absolutely. No, no, we're, we're doing very much
0: better. But of course, then we may be creating other challenges such as the quality of life for those years of of prolongation?
1: Well, the the, the key Greek idea for me is Tithonus. If you remember the story, his lover Aurora had asked Zeus to let him live forever. And Zeus had said, of course, but what he didn't do is to stop him aging. And he became absolutely desperate. And I think those people who want to live a very long time, that's fine. But beware about the effects of aging. And aging is wear and tear. And it's very difficult to stop it. And the idea that there will be some clever molecular biology that will stop us aging, yes, it may increase our lifespan. But I don't really believe in the long, even in the long term, it will be proper. On the other hand, let me make a key point. The one group of cells in our body that don't age are our germ cells. And we don't fully understand how they manage to do that.
0: Well, one one of the striking things that you say in the book was that even if all disease could be eradicated, that would only lead to, I think it's at a 10 to 15 year uh, prolongation of life, because as you say, when the damage outweighs the repair, then exactly. we're inevitably going to degenerate.
1: I'm afraid so. I'm afraid wear and tear does lead, lead us <laughs> into the damage of old age, yes.
0: So how much do we understand about the, the, the wear and tear how, or at the cellular level, how things begin to, um, to let us down?
1: I think we're at the beginning of understanding the wear and tear at the cell levels of course, it's genes becoming abnormal. Well, of course, they give rise to cancer, but there are many are. it just damages cells. They don't divide as well. The cells, you lose a lot of cells. The cells kill themselves because they're unwell. And so there are a whole lot of processes. And of course, the cells have do have repair mechanisms, but nevertheless, they don't take you to a very old age. They're really at their best when you're young, and before you reproduced, once you reproduced, evolution doesn't give a hoot about you as long as you've looked after your
0: children. I guess one of the, the major fears that people have about ageing is dementia, of losing their, their mental faculties. Was, was that your, your finding that that, that comes that very my high? Fe-
1: that is my feeling, let alone my finding. I didn't know much about dementia and it shocks me beyond words. And someone recently told me that his mother had Alzheimer's And she would go to a group of Alzheimer's patients once a week. And then she said, I'm not going to go anymore. And he said, why not? It's a different group every week. She couldn't remember a single person. And the people I've spoken to who have had to deal or care for Alzheimer's or that I've read about, it's absolutely terrifying,
0: just terrifying. And despite its prevalence, I think you say there are as many as 800,000 people either suffering from Alzheimer's or another form of dementia in the UK at the moment, it gets much less research, money, and therefore time spent on it than, for example, cancer.
1: I know. There is less time, and it's a very difficult problem. There has been some news on the radio today, actually, funny enough, about them making some progress with it. But these things are usually oversold rather like stem cells. (laughs) And so one must be just a little patient and to see, be wonderful if there were progress. But it's very difficult because once you've got Alzheimer's, you've lost, cells have died in your brain. And I think replacing those is a very, very difficult problem.
0: There are nonetheless things one can do to lessen one's chances of dementia is that, is that the case there are, the, or are there or things which or is it a case of falling into a, a category where the statistical likelihood is less
1: well there are certain genes which make it more likely that you're going to get alzheimers i'm not sure that there's much you can do to prevent it they do say that using your mind and being active and exercise will help i just i just not I, I, i'm not persuaded by the evidence frankly cuz but- the incidence is so high it, it's terrifying
0: at what age does it become not not a likelihood, but what, what what age does the prevalence markedly increase? I think once you're over sixty-five or so.
1: And I have a nice thing because I see my psychiatrist once a month.
0: In I literally see him for five
1: minutes, and it's just to check up how I'm doing. And I was forgetting a lot of things, and I thought, oh gosh, I'm getting dementia. I'm going to ask him about it next time I go. And the next time I went, and of course I spoke to him, and on, the, on my way home on my bicycle, I burst out laughing. I'd forgotten to ask him. <laughs> I'm afraid
0: I do forget things. Hmm. I mean, I mean that, that, that sort of humorous point raises a serious point, really. The, the attitude one takes to, to aging, as you were saying, you were suggesting earlier, does, well, does better, play a part. The, the
1: better your attitude to aging, the longer you will live and the happier your life, yes so you need to take a positive attitude towards it if you possibly can
0: there is evidence for that well, yes of, of course as you say towards the end of the book a lot of people live in poverty and Absolutely. live in or in situations where their care is 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 much less than ideal and of course that that is going to severely condition their um their their attitude to their own aging isn't it
1: i think people when they get old no longer have money no longer have someone to care for them, have to be in a care home and so forth. And recent handling of people in care homes has had terrible publicity and there are terrible stories how badly some of them are treated. And it's a very, very worrying business. And I am absolutely committed to the idea that if you're old and you're unwell and you want to die, you should have the right to choose a very peaceful death. In other words, euthanasia for me I'm absolutely for it. If the person wants to choose to die, they should have that right.
0: Do you see any signs that we are coming closer to, to sharing that view as a society?
1: I think it's getting slightly better. And, you know, they don't prosecute people who have taken a relative uh, to Switzerland or somewhere like that where euthanasia has been used. So I hope, I'm not confident that in the next few years it will really change, but I think the law is becoming slightly less aggressive about it, yes.
0: Now, part of the book was also looking at the sort of cultural, historical attitudes to ageing, and you you often go as far back as the Greeks and, and trace that. Did you see common threads, appearing there or is, is there a, is there a disjunction between our attitudes and those of earlier centuries to to the old?
1: I don't think so if you go back to some of the Greek poems about aging they could have been written they could have been written yesterday and Oscar Wilde of course is wonderful with the picture of Doria with a picture of Dorian Gray and the bugs in Gulliver's <laughs> in Gulliver's travels. I think there are ancient Egyptian texts which could have been written yesterday in describing ageing and what it's like to be a bit decrepit with old age, yes.
0: But in terms of how society reacts to the old, cares for the old, is, is that something you saw shifts in?
1: I don't know how well, and I'm not terribly good on how well old societies in ancient times treated the old. I'm not sure they treated them terribly. And there are some primitive societies, those people who get their living, you know, by going hunting and so forth, they may sort of help the old to die or actually put them to death because they can't contribute to the society anymore. I think people's taking a serious attitude to try and understand aging is really, really literally in the last... Hundred year, uh, hundred years or so. So I think that people have always wanted, and there are many myths about how one can avoid old age, but they are nothing more than myths.
0: Now there are some scientists I know who would claim that we can. That's
1: all we degrade.
0: Yes, we can arrest or reverse the processes of, of aging. What do you What do you make of those claims? I
1: think that's highly optimistic to put it mildly. I think it's not it's not a reality, but uh, you know I may be proved to be wrong. You see, I think really to change aging, you would have to fundamentally change the way cells behave. That you'd have to go to the egg before the embryo develops and make all these changes, and who would take the risk of the damage you would do to that? But I, I think the reality is it won't happen.
0: And you have a chapter on the very big business of the the anti aging treatments and cosmetics and and surgery which which really strikes me as a misnomer it's not it's not really anti-aging is it it's just it's it's just concealing the effects
1: it's it's preventing looking old and women spend and men some men too spend an enormous amount billions of dollars billions of pounds on trying to prevent looking old and i'm afraid this is an evolutionary thing we men like young women (laughs) i'm sorry
0: (laughs) and despite all the sort of pseudo-scientific claims that, that come in the packaging, mm. there, there doesn't seem to be that anything is, substantive there.
1: No, there doesn't seem to. But Botox seems to help a, a, a few people, um, but the evidence on the whole is not encouraging at all, no. Mm.
0: And even and even Botox isn't really reversing anything, it's just sort of holding something mm. at bay, <laughs> isn't it?
1: <laughs> keep out of the sun and keep healthy. Mm.
0: Yes, and so good diet is important. And you write about um, the effects of reduced calorie diet, which is, which is a rather unappealing prescription. But it does seem that tests on animals and also in, in some parts of some Japan.
1: Of, yeah, there's, there's some evidence that those people who really are eating less do live longer. Uh, there are Japanese in Okinawa where they're traditionally eating and are rather uh, uh, more underweight do live longer lives. But you've got to be careful about not eating too much um, because that can also do damage. So, and in certain animals, certainly reduced diet does lead to them living longer. Mm. How happy they are. And what other are the illnesses that we just don't
0: know? Because we're not talking here about sort of hitting the the ideal calorie target bang on. We're actually talking about a fairly significant reduction. I mean, it's twenty percent or something.
1: Yes, exactly. That
0: it's quite tricky. So it's it's probably quite a it's, it's quite a miserable quite a try- existence where oh, you feel hungry yeah, most of the you time. you feel
1: hungry most <laughs> of the time, I think.
0: Yes. So what? Why? Why in Okinawa is it a function of poverty or is it cultural?
1: Know. I think this is a cultural thing of the of the Japanese that they tend to eat much less there. Yes, and they do live longer. Yes. <laughs>
0: Is it possible to say what what the max at uh, the moment, what the maximum human yes. lifespan is?
1: Yes, I can tell you exactly what it is. There was a woman called Calment who died at a French woman, one hundred and twenty-two, and the oldest man reliably, her record is one hundred and fifteen.
0: Because a lot of the a lot of the time, it's quite difficult to substantiate oh, these these claims.
1: Very, they're myths upon myths about things, But both of these are reliably, and the Guinness Book of Records has said there's no area that they know of where there are more false claims than about someone living to a very old age.
0: Can we learn things from from looking at these sort of exceptional people who who make it to a hundred and beyond? Do they tell us anything about oh, the, the body?
1: Oh, um, There are genes which are associated with with old age. There's an insulin-related pathway in our body. And if you can block that, you will live a little bit uh, uh, longer. But in general, you see, even identical twins don't live to the same age. You know, there's no evidence. On the whole, it does look like genetics determines about a half, a third to a half of how long you're going to live. So genes matter, and there are abnormal genes that make you age prim- prematurely. But it, it's quite a tricky business No,
0: So the genes will determine what the maximum possible span yes. is, and then other environmental sure. things will determine what the actual no, absolutely. span is. Yes. Sex is something which occurs in the book, so to speak, you talk about the, the fact do. that there are myths about the end of, yes, of sexual desire and performance. But the,
1: ev- the biological evidence is, it doesn't apply to me, I regret <laughs> to say, but the biological evidence is that you can go on with sex to a very old age. Women can't have children over 70, I or more, even, much over 65, but you can have sexual relationships well into your 80s, yes. And the that, idea uh, that you become impotent as you grow older is simply false.
0: And that's, that's a very prevalent it's myth, isn't prevalent it? Myth. Absolutely.
1: And it's an excuse for for those of us who, who have these problems.
0: And and also, that I mean, if one judges by one's email inbox, you know, yeah. we think that most of the pharmaceutical industry is actually concentrated on erectile dysfunction. And that's the main thing that they're concentrating on. Of all the the, the problems of, of age,
1: yes, that is true. But uh, it it it's a problem, and but it doesn't seem to be the evidence that I read in the books is that it's not it's not that serious.
0: So, Lewis, where do you think the the emphasis in res- in research going forward to, to understand aging and its and its complications yes. should? Because I'm not aging isn't really a isn't really a medical condition. It's a, it's a collection of phenomena which occur at a certain stage in life. But where do you think the research should be? focusing?
1: The research will continue to focusing on what goes wrong with cells as they age and trying to find ways to prevent it. With things like Alzheimer's, they will try to find out what happens is a particular group of amyloid proteins whose origins need to be identified, get into the brain and kill a lot of cells. And there needs to be research because the, the dementia is a very under-researched area and people need to understand much more about the origins. Uh, which may help to prevent, curing will be even more difficult.
0: And in society at large, what are are the things that as a result of writing this book, you feel are the sort of policy priorities for, for age?
1: The main policy problem is to help the aged have decent homes and decent care, and that they shouldn't be in poverty, that they should be well cared for. And I think this has been grossly neglected. By governments, and even there are claims that in the health service there's quite an ageist attitude, you know. Why do we want to bother with someone who's so old and they're going to die soon? So I think there is a really major issue, both socially and economically, about looking after the old. Mm.
0: Yes, ageism is really the prejudice that, that gets talked about least, isn't it? So it's, it's, it's the one which I suppose it's still acceptable socially to joke about in a way that, that other forms of prejudice aren't.
1: No, ageism is a problem. And as I say, the recent news and evidence for poor care in nurse homes and in the NHS is something that's very serious. And we need to be able to find ways in which the aged can continue to live in their own home and are well cared for.
0: But it, it, it does seem, looking at the media, that the the trend is running in the opposite direction. We, you know, we think of cases of you know female presenters being taken off air and even male presenters and and looking even looking at politicians you know that you talk about Mingus campbell and how he was he was sort of lampooned in the media for being too old at 64 now you go back to the time of gladstone then you know 64 (laughs) relatively young but but it it does it does seem it's a sign of aging but it does seem that politicians are getting younger you know generation (laughs) by generation
1: You may be right, and and I'm not sure there's much we can do about it. But I think it's also worth mentioning Age UK, the major charity, which does a great deal to do the things we've been talking about, that is to prevent ageism, to make sure that the aged are well looked after. Excuse me, but it's a very hard problem.
0: And presumably legislation can only go so far because we're dealing with with attitudes in people's people's heads. How did you think about any ways... That those could sort of be encouraged in a in a more positive direction.
1: Now, just how to handle this in terms of local councils and money and taxes? I'm out of my depth. Sorry,
0: but I, mean, you, I think you mentioned at one point that the old themselves sometimes do themselves a disservice by kind of, sort of almost conforming—not conforming, but allow, allowing the stereotypes to apply to them in ways they 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 needn't.
1: Maybe the aged don't take enough positive attitude to people looking after them. Uh, you know, I've never really explored this, but you may be absolutely right. And I think one really needs to take a quite a militant stand if people are ageist with respect to you.
0: Oh, here, here's a positive thing, which yeah. I learned from your book, that, that studies of happiness yes. suggest that happiness peaks at the age of 74, yes. presumably yes. presuming other things, other things are sort of functioning reasonably there well. There's
1: evidence that if you look at happiness really worldwide, It's about its lowest when you're about 45, and it peaks (laughs) when when you're 70 and a bit over. So the old aren't that unhappy. Many of the old are really really happy, yes. They like their pets, their grandchildren, and the peace and quiet, yes.
0: Mm. Uh, Any little nuggets of wisdom you would give to other people who are in their 70s and 80s?
1: Take exercise and don't eat too much.
0: And remain as positive as you can. And remain as positive as you can, yes. And get a pet, (laughs) possibly. A pet greatly (laughs) helps.
1: A carer is even better.
0: (laughs) Lewis Walpert. You're looking very well. Is that now in hardback? That's all for this edition of the Faber podcast, but I hope you'll join me again soon for another programme. Until then, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.